Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Very patiently waiting as uh, Javon in Lyons, Georgia. And, John, I wanted to actually talk about this topic right now, so it's perfect. I'm sorry to make you wait so long. Uh, no problem. What's going on? Um uh, my question is, if conservatives are concerned with the black community, why won't they start talking to the choir and actually be more serious, such as talking to people at the HBCUs or actually doing interviews like the late Rush Limbaugh did with the Breakfast Club or actually talking to urban radio stations slash podcasts? You know, I will tell you, um, I actually have an answer for this. Uh, and it, It's not, I mean, I was a lawyer. I could make stuff up if I need to and make it sound credible. But this is actually legitimate, honest answer. Uh, I, when I talk to Republicans about this very issue, because I have pushed them to do this, uh, the general consensus from them is that they're going into a hostile community that does is not actually interested in hearing from them, but very much wants to yell at them. And I try to – I actually have used the Rush Limbaugh situation. Uh, with He was willing to go on The Breakfast Club and have that conversation and relate, and they should. And what I have found is that there is – you you have diff, ever we all have different communities out there, and oftentimes, particularly in the 21st century, as our communities have become all of them more tribal and closed off with our own news sources, it becomes harder to have those conversations. And I actually think it means we have to try harder to have those conversations. Like, for example, I think if you talk to black people in America, they will relay to you a different life experience than what you have in America if you're white in terms of their fears about police or their interactions in public, in society. And it you should have these conversations, and, and not all do, but a lot do, and it's very eye-opening to have these conversations. And my wife and I are, are blessed with a, a circle of friends that is very um, mixed racial, uh, Asian, black, Hispanic, white, and the willingness and ability to have these conversations. And then with our white friends in church who have uh, transracial adoptions, for them to see it and to have these conversations. And I think it would be good for Democrats and Republicans both to have conversations with people who don't necessarily live in the same world. So I do hope the Republicans do that. I, I do think they should. Uh, in fact, the data shows in the Hispanic and particularly among younger black men, Hispanic community overall and young black men, that there is a movement towards the GOP on the issue of crime, safety, jobs, economy and values, cultural values. So the time is right, I think, for the GOP to really start engaging and not just show up. Like, for example, there are these community centers the GOP is setting up around the nation. 
I will believe they're committed when those community centers stay after the election. If they're just going to be there for the election, it's the same damn thing both sides do. They show up in communities of voters that they want to vote for them, and the moment the election is over, you never hear from them again. Build long-term relationships. Now, I teased Teslas coming into this at the end of the last hour, and it actually relates to what Jovan's phone call was. How many people do you think actually own a Tesla in this country. How many people own a Tesla? I have the numbers. Do you know the number of total Tesla ownership as a make of car? 0.3%. 0.3%. The number one car brand in America is GM. Number two is Ford. Number three is Toyota. Number four is Stellantis, which is Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep. Then Honda, then Nissan, then Hyundai, then Volkswagen, then Subaru, then Kia, then BMW, and then all other manufacturers combined, uh, they relate to 1.9%. And... 0.3% of that 1.9% is Tesla. Now, the reason that I bring this up is because just as I think Republican legislators and elected officials need to reach out and understand the black community and actually build sustainable relationships with that community, uh, the media and the progressive elite and the elite policymakers of America need to reach out and actually become friends with people called Americans. Because when you listen to the public policy conversations out of the the left and the Democrats and the media in particular, you would think that everyone can afford an electric vehicle and everyone's moving into a Tesla. Uh, John Ekdahl, who is a he's a blogger on Twitter, who I, I just know him through Twitter. Very nice guy. I've mentioned this before. After Donald Trump won the election, put out a question on Twitter. It was a very simple question. I wonder how many people in the press know anyone who owns a pickup truck. And he was pilloried, vilified, and condemned for daring to ask that question of members of the media. How dare you? Not, yes, I do, but how dare you even ask the question? What are you suggesting? Well, he was suggesting that they were in a bubble and they did not relate to people out in the heartland. And sure enough, they don't. Very few of them knew someone who owns a pickup truck. And in fact, the three most popular vehicles in the United States are the Chevy Silverado, or no, I'm sorry, the F-150, the Chevy Silverado, the Dodge Ram pickup truck. Number four is the GMC Sierra, and number five is the Toyota Tacoma. Those are the five most popular individual vehicles in America right now in use. I mean, everybody seems to have an F-150 except for me. I like my GMC. I grew up in a GMC household. My brother-in-law grew up in a Ford household. I just, I grew up learning that Ford stood for found on road dead, so I never bought one. But nonetheless, nonetheless, the F-150, it's a very nice truck. My father-in-law has a Ford Expedition. And the people in the media and Democrat policymakers who want to realign the values of this country and force us into electric vehicles, they seem to have no idea that that is actually the case. Let me give you that now vehicles in operation by top segments overall right now, compact SUV is over 20%. Mid-sized car 
is at 19.5%. Full-size pickup truck is at 16.3%. Compact pickup truck, 4.3%. A combined pickup truck share is 20.6%. More people in America on a pickup truck than any other sort of vehicle. What about electric vehicles? 0.04, or I'm sorry, 0.46%. Less than five-tenths of a percent of vehicles in operation are electric vehicles. The Biden administration believes they can convert all of us into electric vehicles. I don't real I don't think they understand that across the nation there are a lot of people who actually need a pickup truck. I know a farmer who lives in Oklahoma who is a cattle rancher. It is 30 minutes. They live on a huge cattle ranch. And it takes 30 minutes down a dirt road just for them to get into civilization from where they live. And it snows in the wintertime in Oklahoma. They homeschool their children not because they are like people of faith who don't want their kids in school. It's that they live way out in the middle of nowhere and it's easier to homeschool their kids. It takes them 30 minutes to get to a paved road from where they live. They're not going to be driving a Tesla. They're not. And your F-150 electric battery-powered vehicle that you can plug into your home and power your home, guess what? It takes 24 hours to charge. Yeah. Want to get it to a full charge. Uh, They won't tell you how long the battery lasts. And it takes a while to charge it. And the more you tow, the less battery usage you get. It's not practical. It's just not practical. So, yes, I think that Republicans need to do a very good job at this point as demography shifts in the country. They need to do a very good job of making inroads into non-white communities that are starting to move their way for the first time. And they need to treat them with respect, not as a black voter or a Hispanic voter, but as an American. And they need to not do fly-by-night community outreach groups, they need to move into their neighborhoods. They need to befriend them. They need to make them make known to them we're on their side. We want to help. We want to help them as individuals, and our party's ideas will help them grow. And I think Democrats need to actually move out into the heartland and connect with voters who own pickup trucks and live in rural and exurban areas of the country and commute 30 to 40 minutes into work every day and are stuck in traffic and and see how their policy ideas are not practical for a lot of Americans how they live. The Democratic Party at this point is focused on people who live in urban areas. That is the base of their party. The problem for them is that culturally they're becoming a party of Karens. And the Hispanic and black voters who have long voted for them are way more moderate than the white progressives who have moved into their party. They have a real failure to connect to people these days. And by the way, this isn't me. This isn't me, conservative Eric Erickson talking on radio. This is what the data shows. You can argue with me all you want, but I'm telling you what the data shows. The data that the Democrats and the Republicans both recognize is that there is, we are in the middle of a political realignment of the country. 
You may not be able to, on a regular basis, feel it, but you kind of get a sense of what I'm going uh, with. How many of you look around you at what's happening right now in politics and say, what the hell happened? I, I was a conservative. I am a conservative. And yet all these people are telling me I'm not a conservative. Or how many of you thought, wait a second, I'm a liberal. But but what AOC wants, this isn't liberalism, this is communism. How is this suddenly progressivism? I want progress too, but I don't want that. And you're you're shaking your head, you're going, What what is going on? We're in a political realignment. And the way to navigate a political realignment, regardless of which side of politics you're on, is to get out there and interact with and get to know the people who don't agree with you on politics. Whether you're breaking bread with people or you're knocking on doors, you're going to to volunteer with groups that you otherwise wouldn't volunteer with just to interact with the people who see the world differently from you. Believe it or not, the overwhelming majority of Americans, including the people in politics, advancing policies you despise, they're not actually evil, nor are they your enemy. They have a different worldview than you. They have a different worldview than me. And there are a lot of people for a long time I thought were conservative, and now they're talking about unionization and government control, and and we need more government in our lives. We're like, that ah, that ain't the conservatism I'm a part of. And I'm certainly not a libertarian. I mean, I actually like to win. Oh, yeah, let that one sink in for a minute. But, y'all, we, we, we've, we've got a disconnect here. Republicans have disconnects with non-white voters. Democrats have disconnects with people who don't live in cities. And the sooner both sides begin to connect, the better off they'll be. Now, here's a dirty little secret, though. The Republicans will have an easier time than the Democrats. Because for the Democrats to actually get out of the cities and into rural and exurban areas, they got to stop using the word choices that the Democratic mob has insisted they use, like Latinx and and uh, non-gender, non-binary, and things like that, the mythological unicorn ideas of the Democratic Party these days, things that don't actually exist but the Democrats believe while also professing a belief in science. It's going to be real hard to relate out of the city to people who realize this stuff is nonsense. The Republicans will ultimately have an easier time. And, you know, maybe just maybe after years and years and years of telling Democrats that demography was destiny and the emerging Democratic majority was here, maybe they should have actually grounded themselves in reality more and realized demography is only destiny if you you let it. Like the slippery slope is only slippery. No, no, I'm sorry. I messed that quote up. It's from one of my law professors my first year in law school one time said, the slippery slope is only slippery if you make the choice to slide. The slippery slope is only slippery if you make the choice to slide. Well, in the same way, demography is destiny only if you let it happen. And Republicans for a long time bought into this idea that demography was destiny and and their days were going to be numbered. Republicans bought into this. And now demography is showing us that destiny is with those who live for freedom. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Congressman Andy Biggs from Arizona is going to join me at the bottom of the hour. Right now, though, I'm going to go to Rudy in Norcross. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Great. Listen, this electric car thing has been driving me crazy for the longest time. And that's all swell as long as the 
end of your work day, you pull into your garage and you plug in. But what if you live in the city? You start running extension cords at your front door? <laughs> uh, let, me, let me give you a quick example. A friend of mine lives in Buckhead, has about 60 units in this little community, townhomes. No garages, nothing like that. Each unit, let's say there's 60 units, each unit gets two parking spaces. How are all of these people supposed to charge their car at the end of the day? I, I just don't get it. I mean, I'm not anti-electric vehicle, but I nobody's thinking long term. Right. I, yeah, I just don't get it. it it's Rudy, the, the secret is hamsters. Hamsters. Put them in wheels. They generate the electricity right by the car. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, I guess so. it's crazy. I there's guess a so. there's a meme running on the internet right now, and it appears to be legit that someone had a gas generator plugged into a Tesla. Um, I mean, <laughs> you can see the picture, and this this is the problem. Listen, yeah. Until somebody comes up with a perpetual motion machine, this electric thing is is. Yeah. is Decades away. It is. Well, we're all at a point. And well, and, and we don't even but have I'll the power dead. infrastructure. Oh, Rudy, I'm 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 sorry. I, I thought you were done. Um, I, we don't even have the power infrastructure in the power grid if we all switch tomorrow. Now, the Biden administration would tell you in their infrastructure plan, and if you pass Build Back Better, uh, they've got all sorts of charging infrastructure they're going to add, but it's still not enough. And then here's the other thing. Honestly, we have in, in my building for my radio studio, we have a bank of parking spaces for people with electric vehicles. They're never full. They never are. Uh, and then there are Tesla charging stations around the city. And I I, I just, I don't see it. I'm, I'm kind of like with Rudy. Maybe if there's a long-term plan, but I don't know that there is. And by the way, it, it, why batteries? Why not hydrogen? Why not things like that? You, you know, hydrogen is a thing. Hydrogen-powered vehicles are a thing. you got to have uh, different infrastructure put in. But hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe. And you can have hydrogen-powered cars. They have the technology. They've actually made hydrogen-powered cars. Why are we investing in battery infrastructure around the nation? So that, you know, by the way, as an aside for the power grid, what about geothermal for the power grid? You know, we invest uh, hardly anything in this country in geothermal power transfer. And it's actually a thing. There are co- countries like Iceland that do it. Uh, I think five-tenths of a percent of our power comes from geothermal, where you could readily convert over half the country to geothermal power generation. And uh, it would be abundant, it's natural, and it would be long-lasting without any pollution, and yet nobody's doing that. It's almost like they've invested in the windmill companies and the solar panel companies. Makes you think. I don't know. When we come back, the congressman from the great state of Arizona, Andy Biggs, going to be in Atlanta. Well, he was until Nancy Pelosi made him go to Washington. Uh, But he's with the Conservative Partnership Institute launching state freedom caucuses around the country, including in Georgia, Arizona, and likewise. He will be joining me when we come back. You are struggling right now. Well, you should be because I am. What am I going to get people for Christmas that I love? What am I going to get myself? Well, there are lots of things you can do. And one of the things you can do is considering how much time we sleep and stay in our beds, consider gifting Bull and Branch. My gosh, their sheets are comfortable. My wife was so excited when I told her that Bull and Branch was going to be an advertiser because she's been hearing about their sheets and she wanted some and we bought some and then they sent us some. And gosh, she knew she was getting that second pair. 
and she loves them. We have Bowling Branch on most of the beds in our house now, and all the time people ask us when they stay at our house, what exactly it is, where do we get our sheets? Because you can feel the difference. They are very soft. You know, they've got a good snug feel to them, but they're also very soft. You can tell they've got a high thread count. I really, really do like these things. They are very soft. They've got organic cotton weave. They feel incredible all season long, every season, from twin-sized beds to California kings. Treat yourself and your loved ones to the new standard in bedding from Bowling Branch. Their gifts come wrapped and ready in their special holiday packaging. If you order by December 19th, you get guaranteed delivery for Christmas. Best deals of the year are going now from December 6th to December 8th with promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlinBranch.com. That's Bowl, B-O-L-L, and Branch. Dot com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions may apply. You're going to want Bull and Branch. Yes, you are. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here nationwide. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to be on the program. My newest affiliate is out in Tucson, Arizona. And I've got a congressman on hold from Arizona. He's actually one of the leading conservatives in Congress. And I, I need to note before he comes on radio that um, today is the anniversary of the day all of you died because the FCC revoked net neutrality. And Congressman Biggs was a big proponent of rejecting net neutrality. And so he really is responsible for the deaths of all of us, myself included, to, I guess, what, five, six years ago when it happened? So Congressman Biggs, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, who killed all Americans by supporting the end of net neutrality. Thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> Eric, and those to tax cuts, you. too. I forgot you killed all those people by passing tax cuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's amazing. Uh if there's anything that shows that there is a uh, uh, immortality, it would be the fact that uh, the Democrats and left wings uh, threats of death on everything we do don't ever come to pass. <laughs> I mean, we're all going to die every time we do something. Because, listen, I- I'm glad to have you with me because I-, I haven't been able to express to you enough how much I have valued your leadership in Congress in the House Freedom Caucus. I had Congresswoman Bobert on earlier, and you know I'm friends with Jody Heiss and-, and Chip Roy, and I've been friends for a long time, and it's just been so great to see you guys in uh, the last number of years, stand up for yourselves and provide a a platform for conservatives in Congress so that they're not beholden to what leadership provides in terms of legislative direction and guidance. And being able to think for yourselves and have each other's back has just been, it's been richly rewarding to see, uh, particularly after the break off from the Republican Study Committee those years ago and see this group come up. Well, thanks, Eric. I'm glad, I'm glad you feel that way. There, there are some here in the Washington, D.C. establishment that don't feel that way. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, uh, we believe real simply, you know, uh, make your promises, uh, make them consistent with who we are as Republicans and conservatives, and then keep those promises. It's that simple. If you do, if you do that, then people trust you. People want you to lead. People want you to be here. But um, too often, uh, people get here and they change. Uh, they become part of the swamp. They they want to become part of the establishment. They like the accoutrement of, of being in, con- in Congress. They don't really get the fact that that we we have no authority but what the people have delegated to us through the Constitution, and uh, we have to have respect for that and we have to live that. And so it's great to have a group like the Freedom Caucus, where so many people 
uh, where value—it's it's where our principles and values are. I mean, Eric, I will tell you, you're not going to get a place in Congress anywhere that debates the bills more thoroughly, logically, and uh, with the parameters of the Constitution in mind than in the House Freedom Caucus when we get together every week. Oh, I, listen, I, I, I get every time I say something that, that Chip Roy disagrees with, my wife gets a text messages encouraging her to beat me up. So I <laughs> I, I, I totally understand. <laughs> I, I don't like that he's got Christy's cell phone number and, and, and gets her to whip me in shape. <laughs> now, let me let me ask you about the, this, this state-level movement, the state freedom caucuses, because, you know, I, I knew that y'all were coming to Georgia to launch this today, and, of course, I, I realized that Nancy decided she needed to drag y'all back to Washington and disrupt today's events. But I did not realize how many states would be involved. Yeah, we're, we're very excited about it. We, I think this has been a long time coming, and, and we decided to try to implement this. At, uh, uh, we decided earlier this year, and so we've taken a long time to put it together. But, but yeah, we have, uh, we've had overtures from more than two dozen state legislatures. Um, and and that's fantastic, and and so we have a lot of states there today. I think it's 26 states there today. Um, Georgia's the first official affiliate, and then we're going to be rolling out additional ones over the next uh, few months. I think it is. You know, I served in the state legislature for a good period of time, and and this will be fantastic because the the federal level can provide support, but at the same time. We need to have that communication and input from our friends in the state legislatures, because if this country is going to be saved, it won't be through through an act of Congress. It's going to be through the acts of the state legislatures with their governors and the attorneys general. Let me ask you real quick. You mentioned the states. Let me ask you about Arizona, because there, it, the Washington conventional wisdom seems to be that Arizona is moving to the left. But uh, when you do the deep dive data down to the precinct level in Arizona, it seems like uh, maybe there's some personality-driven politics in there. Maybe President Trump didn't gel well with some people. But that Arizona, the Hispanic vote in Arizona, does not seem to be uh, moving to the left anymore, seems to be moving towards the GOP on border security issues and the like. Yeah, I mean, there's there there is a group... Uh, on the left of the Latino group, um, and they're pretty solid. But there is also a movement that we saw under President Trump, uh, and that is to move for, to market-based economy. Uh, they they don't like the uh, crazy fanatical abortion position of the left. They like the pro-life. They like pro-family. They want to work. They understand what happens uh, when the border is open. And um, Arizona, I mean, we used to have a very open border in, this, in the sense that people would come over work and then they would go back. But now they know that people come, they stay, um, and they understand that these are not these are not Mexican folks that are coming over. These are OTMs. These are these are from 160 nations, Eric, that are crossing our border into Arizona. So it's a real problem for them. But they're moving. I think I think Arizona is still a center right state. 
and um, and we'll be reflecting that in the upcoming elections. Well, it, let me ask, ask you one more. You, you bring up the, the number of people who from different countries. When these are facts, what you just said is an undisputed fact from the Department of Homeland Security outlines this stuff. But when this comes up in traditional media outlets, you are looked at as a conspiracy theorist. Uh, when you point out the number of people from non-Central American countries who are using the southern border as a way to infiltrate the country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it it's sad, but that reflects the the lack of integrity in today's media. I mean, and that's that's uh, certainly from the on the left. So, I mean, last not last time because I was just there Sunday, but uh, not too long before that, I was down meeting with the sector chief uh, down there in in one of the border cities. And while we're sitting there, they came up and brought. They said, you know, "We just had a guy from Syria, uh, we just captured." And then, and then Sunday when I was there, um, there were four guys, and we're watching these four guys come up because I'm, I'm seeing all these groups of 30, 40, 50 coming across in just a short period of time. We see four guys walking down from a different direction, and I go up and I'm talking to the law enforcement uh, folks, and I say, "Well, where are these? You know, where's everybody from?" They said, "Well, we've got seven nations here." Uh, and then she goes through, gives me the list, and she said, that person, those four over there, they're from Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Wow. And and none of those people, none of those 150 or so, whatever the next exact number was, were from Mexico. None of them. They were from uh, it was Cuba. They were from uh, uh, Venezuela. They were from Peru. Um, that's That's what you have today. Good grief. Bangladesh. Wow. Good grief. <laughs> that just well listen, um I I I'm just I'm flabbergasted by this and uh it's just another failure of this administration to to not secure our southern border. Um like I I know you've got a lot to do today, but just one one last question for you before you get out of here. Uh ten years from now, looking back on what happens today, the rise of the State Freedom Caucus Network, what do you hope to see nationwide come from the work that's being done right now? Uh, I, on the and the legislative level, on the policy level, I would hope that you would have the majority of states that are um, free market, conservative states, and the and the Freedom Caucus is is helping lead those legislative efforts. Uh, I think I would also like to see um, a, a great bench emerge uh, for uh, uh, state and local and national leaders from those legislative uh, Freedom Caucus. Affiliates, and then the third thing, and I think this is this is really, um, quite frankly, important. Maybe more important than anything is that I would hope that you would have a national movement of grassroots people, uh, you know, like a House Freedom Corps, whatever you want to call it, who are coming together uh, as a nation, and and not and that wouldn't be ten years. I would hope to see the results of what that national grassroots movement that is born from this activity today brings forth. So I hope that in the next year or two, maybe by the next election even, we have a significant group of grassroots organizations around the country that are uh, that are true freedom fighters. That's what I would like to see, Eric. I hope so, too. Congressman, it's good to talk to you. It really is. Uh, best of luck up there with all those votes you've got today. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Great talking to you. Keep you up too. the good work. Thank you. Congressman Andy Biggs from Arizona, uh, the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, starting statewide freedom caucuses around the nation and state legislatures. Uh, they're doing it. Kickoff is in Atlanta, Georgia today, with Georgia being the first one and others following. Let's go to the phones now. Uh, Matthew calling from Leesburg, Florida. Uh, delighted to have you with me, Matthew. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you doing, Eric? Great. What's going on? Yes, I want to ask a question 
that mainly concerns the David Perdue versus David Kemp race and possibly if it could cross over to similar races. Because I heard on the radio from another host, I'm going to name you names here, but they're saying that if, if it came down to Brian Kemp, that a lot of Trump supporters won't show up to vote for him, but they would show, show up to vote for David Perdue. So I was kind of wondering what your thoughts were on that. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's almost like, uh, there are some voices out there who prefer a suicide pact, um, because I could also say that there are, uh, Kemp supporters, particularly independent suburban voters who lean right, who would say, well, a pox on all your houses, I'm just sitting it out and they won't show up in a David Perdue, Stacey Abrams race because they're so vehemently opposed to the whole stop the steal idea. Uh, if if either side does that, then yes, it ensures Stacey Abrams. In fact, David Perdue getting into the race uh, emboldens Stacey Abrams to to do well because you now divide a party that was in the process of uniting. The Heritage Foundation came out earlier today and said Georgia, after its election integrity bill that Brian Kipp signed into law, is now the number one state in the nation for voting integrity. Uh, and that was an issue that could have been used to unite the Republicans, and now you'll have this Purdue wedge against um, uh, Brian Kemp. And so I do think as much as the Democratic Party is dividing itself and the progressives and liberals are fighting each other, you've got this real danger on the right that uh, you've got the the pro-Trump and, and anti-Trump forces say, well, screw you. My guy didn't get the nomination, so I'm not going to go vote. Let's just hand it to the Democrats and burn it down. And I think you do. That's exactly what the Democrats want. Uh, David Perdue said in, in an interview in Atlanta in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that Stacey Abrams uh, forced his hand to go on and get into the race. The problem there is he's admitting what I'd said. The Democrats knew that by Abrams announcing two weeks ago she was going to force David Perdue's hand, and he admitted it. And the result now is that the Republicans in Georgia head into a legislative session dividing among the primary candidates. There are outside pressure coming from the Trump campaign telling Republican legislators in Georgia, if you don't support David Perdue, I'm going to primary you. They don't want to support Purdue. They want to support Kim. So they head into a legislative session where the Republicans could be on a united front with a conservative agenda that would put Abrams on defense. And instead, she now gets to watch Purdue's team uh, cause infighting within the Republican Party that didn't exist until last week, uh, breaking up, breaking apart. This is a real problem the GOP is going to have moving forward. It's it's nonsensical to engage in this sort of suicide campaign, and that ultimately what it is. Now, I realize there's, there is internal polling that's been leaked out there. I don't want to talk about it because you all know I have a, a, a very vehement position that any internal polling that is leaked is designed to be a PR play, not to actually be legitimate internal polling. I think it's notable the Kemp campaign has not leaked their internal polling. Uh, so if there's always internal polling that's done, that's very deep, good internal polling that has never leaked. The internal polling that's leaked is designed to shape a new story. Um, it seems like the Kemp campaign, I, I suspect they don't have it. I suspect they're just not trying to shape it, that they're trying to win a campaign. It's an interesting dynamic out there. Now, I want to tell you guys, this is really important. If you're on my Substack, you got an email uh, earlier about this particular issue. For several years, I practiced what well, that I practiced law. I actually volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom. They're one of the few legal nonprofits in the United States that racks up wins in state courts and in the federal court for conservatives and for Christians. 
Now, since leaving my law practice, I've stayed involved with ADF. I've spoken at several of their events, and I've even been to their training sessions where they teach lawyers and people like me on radio to talk about really complex legal issues in a very easy-to-understand way. I'm glad to have them as an advertiser, y'all, but I'd be pushing to support them anyway. ADF is top-notch, and they take your donations, and they use them to help people who can't afford lawyers hire the very best lawyers to fight for freedom from the highest court of the land all the way down to the local level. Now, this is important. Pay attention here. The Alliance Defending Freedom has received a matching grant. So any donation they get between now and the end of the year is going to be matched by their donor to help defend freedom. I really need you to go to adflegal.org slash Erickson, adflegal.org slash Erickson, and help defend freedom with Alliance Defending Freedom. We'll be right back. There is a mass cancellation drive of the publication, The Atlantic, a a liberal publication, and progressives are canceling it in mass today. Uh, Outraged. Um, I'm a med school professor, work in a hospital. I'm so disappointed in The Atlantic for publishing this dangerous, misleading anti-science piece, even as Minnesota's hospitals overflow. I'm canceling. I'm going to cancel my subscription. This is inexcusably irresponsible. I'm canceling our subscription after 20 years of being a subscriber. Bookmarking this article in case I get emails asking why I canceled my subscription. What is the article that's causing these progressives to cancel their subscription to a liberal publication? I'll read you the headline. Where I live, no one cares about COVID. The subtitle? Outside the world, inhabited by the professional classes and a handful of major metropolitan areas, many Americans are leading their lives as if COVID is over. I'm old enough to remember the good old days when holiday advice pieces were all varied on how to talk to your Tea Party uncle about Obamacare. As Christmas approaches, we can look forward to more of this sort of thing with the meta-ethical speculation advanced to an impossibly baroque stage of development. Is it okay for our two-year-old son to hug grandma at a Christmas party if she received her booster only a few days ago? Should the toddler wear a mask except when he is slopping mashed potatoes all over the booster seat? Our oldest finally attended her first mask sleepover with other fully vaccinated 10-year-olds, but one of them had a sibling test positive at daycare. Should she she stay home or wear a face shield. What about Omicron? <laughs> this is it. An article about how people are living their lives normally outside of progressive enclaves and progressives want to burn down the Atlantic for actually pointing out that people have not succumbed to the hysteria outside of these progressive enclaves. It's kind of sad. You know what's not sad? You, you knew I was transitioning, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> You know what's not sad? Omaha Steaks. You, too, can get the perfect gift. Let's say you got clients right now. You've got clients out there, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to get them something. What do I get them? The stupid supply chain. Omaha Steaks is not impacted by the supply chain. they got great beef, and they've got poultry, and they've got seafood. they got all sorts of stuff at omahasteaks.com. If you go to omahasteaks.com and you put Eric, E-R-I-C-K, best of both worlds, C and the K, Eric, in the search bar, you will get the perfect gift. It's actually called the perfect gift. You will get something more than 50% off. You get bacon-wrapped filet mignons. You get chicken breasts. Good, tender chicken breasts. These chickens have not been pumping steroids at the local grocery store. 
You get burgers. Not only that, you get eight free Omaha Steak Burgers. You get the Pig Farmer Jr.'s favorite, the Caramel Apple Tartlets. He wants me to tell everybody about those. He said so himself this morning. It's deliciousness delivered to your door from Omaha Steaks, an incredible value for you, for your family, for your loved ones, for your clients, for your friends, for your business. OmahaSteaks.com. You put Eric in the search bar. You can thank me later. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.